Well, good morning, Identity Church. I know, um, I know this has been a really good week for me. I've been trying to get my, I've been trying to get all my stuff ready for the summer. I don't know how many people y'all gonna take vacations this summer. I hope you take a vacation. I hope you go have fun. Hope you have a good, a good time. I am looking forward to a vacation. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I need one. I mean, it feels like that. It feels like with everything that's going on, I mean, you heard all the different stuff. We are, we are just running, running, running. So I'm looking forward. I've got two opportunities to take vacations. Do you know it's a good thing for you to rest? It's a good thing for you to get with the Lord and just say, hey, I'm going to rest. Because the Lord wants you to rest in Him. You know, if you're resting in something else, that thing's going to fail you. You know, if you have a, a nice blow-up mattress and you rest on it, what happens if I come by and put a hole in it? You're on the ground, right? Well, that's the way I think a lot of people look at rest and vacations is they go, man, that thing held me up for a little bit and now there's a hole in it. i got to go back to work. Well, you know, the thing is, is that if you're in the Lord and you allow Him to show you how to rest, you go enjoy the vacation some of the best restful vacations I've ever had, we worked the hardest. We went to Disney World and walked around for like, you know, a thousand, you know, 10,000 steps, uh, uh, you know, 20,000 steps a day. And I walked away because I got to rest with my family. See, it's not about laying around and trying to, trying to find the, the thing that, that, oh, I just vegged out. But it's about knowing who He is so that you can have rest throughout your year. Amen? Amen. So I'm looking forward to that in a few weeks here. I wanted to start us off, if we're ready with the live stream. Everything's good with the live stream. Awesome. Well, welcome live streamers. Um, I wanted to do this teaching for quite some time. I'm calling it Covenant People. Say, I'm a covenant person. person. But you better say it because you are whether or not you want to be or not. Because there's a lot of covenants that you got signed up for just by being here, right? It's a little bit like being in the United States. Do you know that you got signed up and you didn't even know it? You know, you you were born, they signed you up with a social security number. That means if you're a guy, you got to go with selective service. How many people know the selective service thing? Woo! Well, you know, there are lots of things that we get signed up for because we live in America. Well, you know, the moment that God created Adam and Eve, he put some covenants in the earth. He did some stuff. And you know what? It still is happening today, whether you want it to happen or not. Amen. I need to find, there's my water. I'm a, I'm, I am being healed of my sinuses uh, because for whatever reason, uh, the outside is trying to hurt my nose. But we, amen, everybody says amen or oh me when it comes to sinuses. But we are covenant people. And so I'm going to start us off talking about the first covenant. Now, I'm not going to go through these covenants in chronological order because there's some reasons, and I'll get to those reasons in a few minutes, because there's certain covenants that was cut with different people that don't have anything to do with you. And so we have to understand those particular covenants and why they were involved. So what is a covenant? Some of y'all may be going, well, I've got one at my my HOA. 
If I don't cut my grass, they come and they either cut my grass or they charge me a fee, right? Well, a covenant is sort of like that. In fact, Webster's Dictionary says it's an agreement or a promise usually under a seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. So if you are under a covenant to an HOA or, by the way, guess what? How many people owns a vehicle in the bank? You're still paying a bank note. You're under a covenant. You signed away your life to them. And one of the things that you need to understand about that is that you got something out of it and they got something out of it. Now, both of it is money when it comes to the bank, right? I got a car for a payment. But at the end of the day, they get their fee. They get their, you know, their APR or whatever, you know, however you've signed up with them. But your particular bank, your particular thing has signed away your life that you owe it, right? Now, your covenant with with, you know, with the bank and all that kind of stuff, it has no spiritual thing. It's just a physical. I've got a car out there. As long as that car runs, as long as I have it in my possession, I have to pay the payments. Even if it's not in my possession. If somebody comes steals it, I still have to do it. That's why I need insurance. But see, this is one of the things that I want you guys to understand is that if you know what a covenant is, then you know what you've been signed up for. And then you're able to understand why those things are in place. So in the Greek, if you went to the Strong's and you looked up covenant, like the, the covenant, the new covenant that Jesus had with us, this word in the Greek is a contract or a will. Oh, that's very interesting. So it's like a will and testament, if you will. So a covenant can actually give you some benefit. You know that one of the things that I always, I always say is that you never need to cut covenant with someone who has less than you. How about that? You know, back in the day, kings would go cut covenant with other kings because they didn't have as many people in their army. Or maybe they were more vulnerable. And so they would go and make a contract with their neighbor king and say, Hey, if I go to war, why don't you come and, and help me fight, right? Well, this is what the covenant basically does is it gives the stronger one the ability to go help the weaker one. So when you go and make a covenant with someone, you want to make sure you're making a good one. That, you're, that you understand all the terms of the agreement. You know, one of the reasons why, you know, you find all these you know, Greek wars and things like that was because they created covenants. A lot of the kings didn't want to have to go to, didn't want to have to go to the, um, you know, war with Babylon and with some of these others, but they had created covenants and contracts. Do you know that when you create a covenant or contract, no matter if you like the deal or not later on, you still have to go pay the payment. So this is what happened is that we have Five covenants that we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to try to get to them as succinctly as I possibly can. But these five covenants are the covenant of Adam, the covenant of Noah, the covenant of Abraham, the covenant of Moses, and then the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And we have to understand those covenants because some of them exist on top of other covenants. 
How many people know that I can have more than one car payment, right? I have a car payment. I can have one for myself and I have one for my wife and I have one for my kid and I can have a house payment. Well, I've got multiple covenants going on in my life. So do you. And you know what? Just because one of them didn't seem as good to you, you still have to pay the piper. And that's one of the problems that we have is most of the time when it comes to understanding the spiritual and the physical, we don't we don't take the covenant into, a, into any capability. That covenant doesn't even come in and say, oh, I have to understand my covenant in order to be able to work in something. So we're going to get to it. Covenant of Adam is the covenant of the world system. When God created Adam and Eve, he created a system that was going to be ruled in a world environment. And one of the things that we have to understand is that this covenant, it rules today. This covenant has a a hold on everything that's going on. Do you know what this covenant is? It's man's world system. In fact, we're going to find out about that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness. Let them have dominion. This word dominion right here means to reign or rule over the fishes of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, the, over the, all the earth, and over the creepy things. Do you know that you got power over creeps? How many people's had some creeps in their life? Take authority over those things. Say, get out of here. It also says here, it says, so God created man, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and he created them. Wait a minute. There wasn't a third or a fourth or a 72nd? No, it was man, woman. You know, I saw this thing on Facebook, and I know, I know, this, this is going to sound political, but this is not. This is biblical. You can take, you can take 10 transgender persons, and you can take a, a man a cis man, and you can put them on an island a hundred years from now, the archaeologist is going to dig up 11 men. The thing is, is that our biology and everything that goes with it all was created by God, man and woman. We don't have a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a so on option. See, what we have to understand is that we need to know our covenant Because we lose our authority in who we are. Do you know, women, that you are not lesser than? Do you know y'all hold some key aspects? The Bible's full of it. I'm going to tell you what. You guys got more power over men than you think. Most of you know how to use it. My wife's not in here, but I'm pretty sure, you know, if she starts talking to me and she wants something to happen in our household, we go her way. Do you know that the power that men have and the power that women have in our authority in God is the same authority? But we have to understand that we play different parts in that authority. In fact, it says here, uh, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. 28 says, 
Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. You know what subduing it would be? Be like if Brock came up here and said, I want to wrestle. You know, one of us is going to have to subdue each other. We got to conquer it. We got to overcome it. Do you know that when we subdue something, that means that it's under our authority and power. We, in verse 28, it says, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over all the earth, the fishes of the sea, the birds of the air, over the living creatures that move in the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb in the fields that yield seed and on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. So we've got a promise in this covenant that I can eat all the stuff that's out here, right? Now, some things are beneficial to us and some things are not. In fact, it says here, and this is the one that is starting to become kind of, kind of hairy, scary. And it's starting, you know, coming from a meat salesman's family, I'm starting to get a little scared that they're going to take my meat away. But okay, in verse 30, it says, also every beast of the earth to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given green herbs for food. And it was so. Do you know that you have dominion over everything? You can make it your food. You also can speak to it. You can talk to your problems. Because this system was created so man could create it. How many people knows that the United States of America was not a God concept? Absolutely. I, I hope more, the, more of y'all stick your hand up. Not, hey, nationalism for United States versus Germany versus France versus any of them. There's still Christians in all of them, right? We can go to the Muslim countries. There are, there's a man system that was created under the Muslim countries, but there's still Christians that live there. Do you know that we have a constitution? It's a covenant. It basically, you know, if we go look at our Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights is basically telling us, hey, there are things that are under your authority. You can stand up and say, I will not be prosecuted for standing up and saying the truth. It's starting to become harder, but there are times where people will try to knock your idealisms down. They'll take you to court. They'll try to throw you in jail. And you can actually stand up and point back to that law. This is the only country in the world that it's working. You may think, oh, there's a lot of people trying to, to subvert or, or to, to take people down. But see, the thing is, is that every single time this has happened, we go to the court system and the court goes, I can go back to the Constitution. You have the right to speak your mind. See, this is what a covenant is all about, is that when I understand it, I can use it and I can go and do what is needed to be done. That's why we don't take away our Second Amendment rights because it protects our First Amendment rights, right? You know, if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm going to create an army and I'm going to come against you so that you can't speak the truth anymore, then I just pull out my gun and I shoot him. Do you know that that is the way that the Constitution was created was to create a system 
that man created to protect our rights. Well, you know what? God is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to tell you, you've created this system. Don't create the wrong one. Don't go and make the wrong one. Go, go look at communism. Communism is straight out of hell. There has been billions of people that have died at the hand of communism. Do you know that it's just another man's system? Capitalism is just another man's system. I heard a guy the other day, he was on a YouTube video. He was, he was like, capitalism was created by God. And I was like, no, it wasn't. Capitalism is just another system. It works a little bit better than the other systems, but it is just a system. See, we have to understand that we need to take authority over the things because systems, it's like, hey, how many people go vote? Go vote <laughs> because you have power and authority to go do so. That's how you change systems. But these systems were given to us by God. In fact, the reason for this is because we were born here. How many people know that if you were born in the United States, how many people, I, I think I've got one that wasn't born in the United States, right? Well, we know, we know without a shadow of a doubt that if you're born in the United States, you get a social security number, you go through all these different things to get, you're, you're a naturalized citizen. But if you're not of this country, you come in and you have to become a citizen through a process. Well, that's the same thing is that if I was born here on the earth, then I have power and authority under this covenant. Do you know that in every other situation, every other thing in the world, that when an angel comes and stands on this earth, that he doesn't have authority over this earth? He doesn't. If you notice every time an angel is being utilized, it's because somebody prayed. Oh, come on now. Quit looking at me this way. Go back to all your favorite angel stories. They show up and they don't do anything until somebody prays. You know why? It's because they don't have authority to do anything here. They're waiting for somebody to give them the authority to go do it. Well, you know what? That's one of the reasons why I love in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, it says, this is he who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. Do you know what that signifies? Birth. How many people know that when you're going to have a baby, the water breaks, right? There's blood. Well, you know what happened was that God gave dominion over to man and man now took over the system. So, there needed to be a man that was born by water and by blood in order to have the same authority. Because God himself could come down and force a bunch of stuff. But guess what happened? He created a covenant against it. This is one of the bad parts that we have. Verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So John always used Jesus. If you go back to, to John chapter 1, he calls Jesus the Word. So it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. The reason why this is is because it agrees in the covenant. 
The covenant of Adam created the ability for man to create the system. You know what happened is that man did the wrong thing. God gave them, hey, everything's good except for this one fruit. This one fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that particular fruit, that thing was like, oh, it was so tempting. But it was the only bad thing. They could have done anything and it would have been good. But you know that the moment that they ate of that, you know before they ate of it, it actually says in Genesis chapter 3 right there, it says that when Satan had, when the the serpent had told her that it was fine, that you could touch it, that you would not die. She said she looked at it and said it was good for food. Well, guess what? She went against what God said where he said it wasn't good for food. You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, most people, they get real, well, I, I just didn't know what was good and I didn't know it was evil. Why wouldn't God want me to know that? No, God wanted you to know what was good and evil. He didn't want you to create what was good and evil. That's what happened with the tree. The tree was you started deciding rather than going back to God and going, is that good, God? It's one of the reasons why I seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's because everybody else will say, well, maybe I just need to go steal it. Well, that would be good for me, right? If I went and took from the rich and gave to the poor. How many people know that Robin Hood, you know, how many people like that story? I'm setting y'all up, by the way. Robin Hood's a bad story. (laughs) He took from the rich and gave to the poor. Now, I got news for you. Most of y'all go, well, I'm poor, so that would be okay. (laughs) But what if I had less than you and I said, I said, hey, JR, you're rich, buddy. So I get to take from you. You would go, that ain't good. You would absolutely say, no, Dusty, that's bad. Don't take from me. See, Robin Hood was nothing more than a way to be able to say, we can steal from the rich folk. Well, who's the rich folk? You be the rich folk. Anything I want to take from anybody, they're always richer than I. See, that's what good in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, was that it gave me the ability to be able to say, Ray, I think you're richer than me. I'm going to take from you. I'm going to, I'm going to go take from Robert. I'm going to take from Anna. I'm going to go take from, and I can justify what's good and what is evil. Do you know that we're starting to see it nowadays? People start going, well, you know, it's evil to be a Christian because they don't believe the way that I do. Well, see, the thing is, is that people start creating their own systems of good and evil. You know know what's real funny about this? And people call this exactly the way it is. The the people eat their own. Do you know that your system of good and evil, if you create it and there is no objective standard of good and evil, do you know what happens to you when that happens? Is that somebody's going to come along and just change it a little bit so that now we're different. Oh, we can agree on this but we don't agree on this. So now I've got to get rid of your idealisms. So when there's no objective morality, when there's no objective anything, no good and no evil that people go, yes, that's the standard, then people start eating each other. It's happening right now in our society. So the covenant that that we're stuck with after Adam and Eve fell, this thing still exists, guys. It's still lingering around. 
And this is one of the things, I promise I'm going to go fast so I can hit all these, okay? Genesis 3, 15, it says, And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, talking about the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt, and it shall bruise his heel. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. How many people know women don't have seed? You know, the thing is, is that men are the seed bearers and women are the ground. I hope you're good ground. Because everything that is a seed gets planted in the ground and then there comes a harvest. There's Caleb, my harvest. But do you know that we... Oh, Kaylee's in the back too. Sorry, baby. Do you know that in every single thing that men produce seed and women are ground? And see... This, this was very precarious because I went back and read this several times. I went to the Hebrew. I thought, well, this must not be true. It must be, you know, translated poorly. No, no, no. The seed of the woman was Jesus. See, God preordained that Jesus was going to come and create a new covenant where the old covenant with Adam could be superseded. Now, it doesn't mean it's done away with. It means it's superseded. How many people remember my little thing where I said, you know, I can have a car payment. My wife can have a car payment. Caleb can have a car payment. Kaylee can have, I could have everybody. We could just be up to our hilts in debt. How about that? Well, think about this. I could go and get another loan that pulls in Caleb and my debt to one, right? Now, does that supersede any of the other that I have out here? Well, the answer is it supersedes mine and his debt, but it doesn't supersede my wife's debt. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that God is saying, hey, there are several covenants that because I created this the way that I did in the beginning, man has authority and I can't do away with that. I would have to destroy everything in order to start over. So now I have to create some other covenants in order to supersede that covenant. It means that I could live outside of Adam's covenant. All it means is that I don't get all the bad stuff. I get all the good stuff. In fact, with Jesus, I get to say, I still have authority because I was born of blood and water here on the earth. But I also get the good stuff through Jesus. In fact, this word right here, it says, uh, sorrow. In verse 16, it says, Until, uh, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Now, those are two words. See, everybody wants to, to add them together, which, yes, there's sorrow and conception and all that. There, there, there's going to be pain and, and all that. But this word right here is two different words. It means there's going to be sorrows in your life, and there's also going to be a conception that's going to happen. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Verse 17, and it says, Unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow. Now, I want you to understand something. 
We can go and we can plant seed in the ground and it can come up. But see, we're having to work a lot harder. See, back then, all you had to do is throw the seed onto the ground. Now we have to till the ground. You know, in our own lives, we're having to till up stuff all the time. You know, if I have a relationship with anybody in here, there's preconceived ideas. Y'all can take a, one look at me. Y'all can create a preconceived idea about me. And it takes me a little bit of time to be able to dig up the rocks so that we can have an actual relationship. You know, that's a part of the sorrow. It's a part of the, the mistrust that is in the earth. And it says here in verse 18, it says, Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth in thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. And in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it uh, was that it was taken. So you come from the ground. For the dust of, of that art, um, and dust shall you return. See, this word sorrow right here, it's Isabon, and it means to toil, to be in pain, to worry. It means sickness. Everybody wants to know, well, God, why did you put this sickness on us? God didn't do it. God did not do it. Quit, quit putting stuff on God. We did it. Guess what? Who's the problem? We're the problem. See, that's what we have to understand is that everybody wants to go and say, well, God, you got big shoulders. I'm just going to blame you. Oh, such and such died or, or I got this certain sickness and God must have wanted me to do it. No, God didn't want to do it. God created a system and we screwed it up. Adam and Eve messed it up. Sorry. But see, that's why he had to send Jesus in order to make it better. In fact, this word curse is to bind up. It means we were no longer free. You know, Adam and Eve had full reign to do everything. They could play all day. They didn't have to work. How many people like to play all day and not have to work? That would be great, wouldn't it? Guess what, Adam and Eve? You messed it up for us. The ground. See, this means the inhabitants of the earth. If you go look it up in the Hebrew, it means the world system. See, God created us in order to have dominion. And then what we did was we went and just, we, we love systems. We love putting covenants in places. We love to go and create stuff. How many people love lists? There's some people that might, some people that don't. You know what? That's, that's a thing. Oh, I, I love, I, I, I want a list. That was why God had to create the next thing that we're going to talk about, but the law. You know, the law was just a list because it was something man likes. Well, we're not going to talk about that right quick. I'm going to, like I said, it wasn't chronological. I just want, I, I will tell you this though. You know, one of the things that, that before I get, I get over there, do you know that we, we love to be able to have, you know, lists of things. How many people would put stuff on your refrigerator? Oh, you got, you know, little notes and everything. Those are, those are great. Those are awesome. That's how we remember stuff. But that's a part of what's ingrained in us to keep up with. So real quickly, the, the covenant of Noah, kind of the reason why I put it together this way is because I wanted you guys to see. Essentially, Noah was a rebirth of the original. So, so he added a little bit more to Adam and Eve's 
covenant. Back in Genesis, the part one in Genesis 8, 20, and it says, Noah built an ark unto the Lord. And he basically did a burnt offering and, and had an altar after he got off the boat. So the water started subsiding. He goes out there. He creates an altar. He, he basically creates a sacrifice. In verse 21, and it says, And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and then the Lord said unto, in his heart. So the Lord's talking to himself here. The Lord's like, hey, in my own heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. You know that what happened was Adam and Eve, he's not going to add an, another one to Adam and Eve's. Do you know that the, the ground was cursed because the waters came and washed everything away. They had to start anew. You know, so God said, hey, I'm going to make you a promise that I'm not going to come and make something worse when it comes to your seed time and harvest. In fact, it says here, and although in the imagination of men's hearts is evil from his youth, got that right, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter, summer, and the day and night shall not cease. This was a promise. By the way, you know, we could go into all the different teachings about, you know, how the earth was covered in a, you know, in a water vapor that basically created like a, a, a greenhouse effect, if you will. But do you know that, that in seed time and harvest, you have to have times of rest. You have to have times of growth. You have to have times of planting. And see, that's why we need seasons. It's not just because, well, that's just the way it is. It's because God created our ability to go around the sun in one revolution the way that it does so that you will have a summer, a winter, you'll have a spring, and you'll have a fall. We need those times to be able to plant. In fact, part two of this covenant in Genesis chapter 9 it says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and says, be fruitful and multiply. Where did we hear that before? Adam and Eve. And it says, and number two, this is the one that's very interesting. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the air and all that moves on the earth and all the fish of the sea. You know, I think this one's kind of funny because a lot of times, do you know that you know, if somebody goes, well, I'm afraid of that dog. You know that I never fear about a dog. I never fear about the fish in the sea. I fear about drowning. But I'm not as worried about something coming and eating me. And that's something that I believe God has ingrained in most of us. I know some people have created a whole mantra of I'm afraid of snakes, I'm afraid of whatever. But the fear of... But what I'm trying to say is that God gave us dominion over those things. We should go out and kill all the snakes and all the, all the spiders. How about that? <clears throat> okay, in verse 3 it says, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and I have given you all these things, even the green herbs. So go eat your meat today. We're going to have it in a lasagna. It's perfectly fine, okay? Part 3 in Genesis chapter 9, And I will establish my covenant with you never again, um, shall I cut off all 
I'm sorry, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Neither again shall it be the flood that destroys the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is in you, the perpetual generations. How many people know you're a perpetual generation? It's continuing. You're a part of it. And it says, and I set my rainbow in the clouds and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and you. You know what? Every time I go out and after the rain, I see the rainbow. See, that's supposed to be the sign of our covenant. You know, a lot of times I think it's real funny when somebody wants to go against God's covenant, they use it. That's all I'm going to say about that. See, the rainbow was not designed as a statement. The rainbow was a seal of approval that I'm going to keep my covenant. Amen. All right, now we're going to get over here to the covenant of Moses. Amen. Has this been good? Everybody, everybody following along? I know I'm moving fast, but there's a lot of covenants here. I, I got to move through the covenants, right? But I, I want you to understand what, what is your covenant? What do you need? And see, this one right here I mentioned because, not because you're under it, because this one doesn't, it, it, it's on hold. How many people's put something on hold at the layaway, you know? Well, God's put this one on layaway, right? And see, I want you to understand that when we go and look at the law and we look at the curses and we look at the blessings and we look at all this stuff, don't go to the Old Testament and look at all the curses and the, and the blessings based upon the Old Covenant with Israel. In fact, the covenant of Moses, the covenant of Israel is on hold right now. In fact, Exodus chapter 34, verses 27 through 28 says, The Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. This was not a covenant with the Gentiles. By the way, they were out there having all their, their fun. They were going out there and killing each other and maiming and murdering and everything. So much fun, right? But they, were, they did not live a life of, they did not live a chaste life, the Gentiles, because they did not have boundaries. How many people know about boundaries? You know, how many people push the boundaries? <laughs> oh, I want to tell you, there's a lot of people that push boundaries. I do it every time I get in my car and I drive down the road. It's 35 miles an hour. I'm at least five miles an hour over that. Do you know that in everything we have boundaries? Do you know that God just put different boundaries on Israel? It's called being set apart. How many people have heard that? If you went to church, you've heard, well, I've been set apart. You know, a lot of times they take ministers and they go, Dusty, if you're a minister, if you're a pastor, well, you've been set apart. You know what it means? It just means I have more boundaries than you do. It means that I don't get to go do some things that you do. You know what? That's okay. Because I signed up for it. I said it was all right. I'm going to go do it. Do you know that in every single circumstance, when we have a covenant, there was a blessing if you did something. Well, this is the blessings. It says in verse 28, it says, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, talking about Moses, and neither he ate bread or drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. 
The Ten Commandments is is pretty. I mean, everybody's probably seen this, but it's you know, don't have any other gods before you. Don't make idols. You know, I think this is kind of funny. We should not make idols. Do you know that it's not a little wooden figurine like, you know, let's worship my bottle of water. That's an idol. No, that's not it. Do you know that an idol is anything that I put ahead of God? So an idol could be that, hey, I want, you know, I want to go turkey hunting more than I want to go do something for God. Do you know that? that anything that supersedes what God is trying to tell you to do becomes an idol. It doesn't have to be a figurine. It doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be you got to bow down to it five times. That's not what an idol is. An idol just says that whatever God said, I'm not going to put something before him, right? So if God told, he told me, he said, hey, go be a pastor. And at first I was like, no. I don't want to do that. I want to work. I want to go, you know, I want to just enjoy my time. I'll go to church. I'll help out. I'll do whatever. And the Lord was like, that's not what I'm calling you to do. You know that after a while, I started talking to the Lord and he started laying out what that looked like. Then I was able to meet that. You know, most people think when the Lord calls you, it's a little grass hut in Africa. How many people know God's going to call all of y'all to Africa? You'd all go, no, I don't want to do that. Well, maybe some of y'all, I don't know. Maybe God is calling you to Africa. But if God calls you to something, usually you're going to go, yes. You know, it took me a couple of years to go, yes. But it also took me a couple of years to understand what he was calling me to. Because all I had seen is what I'd been a part of. You know, God's not calling you to do something that somebody else is doing. Even though you might be pastor or you might be something one day you don't take and look at dusty and say well i want to do it the way dusty does or if you, you've been to highlands and see you know i think a lot of people they get into ministry and they go i want to be highlands i want to be chris hodges well guess what i don't want to be chris hodges has fifty-five thousand people to deal with i don't want to deal with fifty-five thousand people and probably you don't either but see that's the thing i want you to understand is that understanding our covenant God starts showing you what to do. And maybe it's not being a pastor. Maybe it's I go to work and there's a guy sitting there that I talk to every single day and him and his wife's having a problem. And the Lord just prompts you to talk to him and to give him peace and to help him navigate. That's a great call. You know, that's all the call that I had for many, many years. You know, there's people that are saved and set free at Southern Company where I work, the power company. Because I went and just sat down with them at lunch and just said, hey, God loves you. Took years. But see, your call has to do with not putting something else in front of it. All right, in three, it says, and shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, I, I said GD three or four times before I came to church. Well, you know what? That's not taking the Lord's name in vain in the perspective that, that this is talking about. This is basically saying that I will not use God's name against people. How about this? In the name of God, you're going to hell. You know, a lot of the things that we say, well, I'm using God's name or whatever. 
a lot of times people just use them because they don't, they're not educated enough to use other words. Okay. Just, just telling you. But if you're sitting there saying, Hey, I'm using God against somebody. Let's just say Vicky. I'm, I'm looking at you, Vicky. You know what? If you don't do what I think you should be doing, then God's going to get you. That was taking God's name in vain. See, I'm using the power and authority of God in order to manipulate somebody to do what I wanted them to do. Not just, well, I said GD three or four times today. You know what? Taking God's name in vain means that I am going and taking his authority and I'm using it in a vanity way. Using it for my own purposes. Okay, four, remembering the, the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. Everybody's here this Sunday. Thank you all very much. All right, honor your father and your mother. This one's a good one. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. So, you know, all the Robin Hood people, you know what? Y'all need to go back and rewatch that movie with the fact that he was wrong. Okay. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. Do you know that this is one of the things, and we're going to get to this in a few minutes. I've got a, a scripture for you. But do you know that the new Ark of the Covenant is you? And Jesus gave us two commandments, love God and love our neighbor. Well, do you know that when I love God and I love my neighbor, I wrap up all of these into one bundle. Well, actually two bundles. The first four of these were about God, right? Well, the last six of these were about our neighbor. See, God wasn't trying to create something in Israel that could not be handled. You know, the law kept coming as people kept doing bad stuff. He kept having to put up more boundaries. It's the same way. How many people know that probably if you went and sat and watched Congress on C-SPAN, how many people do that, by the way? Oh, we got one. I don't. It's Bowen, right? But the thing is, is you go watch it, they're making laws. Well, uh, such and such was, you know, hit in the face with an icy at the Circle K. So we need to create a law that slapping somebody in the face with an icy gives you three years in prison. And then everybody votes, yay, nay, whatever. And then it goes on, right? We create laws because we're creating boundaries because people, they have evil in their heart. Well, that's exactly what the law was. It was a law's for Israel. Every time somebody would do something bad, God would say, let's add something to the Levitical law. See, that's what we have to understand is that I'm not applying the Levitical law to my life. It's called mixture. Don't do it. Don't go back to the Levitical law and go, well, this is a polyester and cotton shirt. Oh, I need to be stoned today. You know, it was created because people in Egypt wore different linens and different things together and people were dressing in the in vogue you know e egyptian way do you know that, that was something that god said get rid of it you've been set apart you're no longer in egypt anymore this is the truth guys and i want you to understand the truth because somebody's going to tell you a lie somebody's going to come and go you need to go to the levitical law and find out why you're not blessed well guess what you're not living in Israel. And by the way, they're not living under that law either. All right. Remember, you are the new Ark of the Covenant. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant, it held the Ten Commandments. How about that? It was the rod and staff of Moses 
And it was the Ten Commandments and, and some manna. Do you know that, that the reason why they call it the Ark of the Covenant is because it held the covenant. It didn't hold the law. See, the law was held in men's hands. Moses and all the other people. But the actual covenant was put in the box and the Holy Spirit resided over the covenant. He sealed it. So we've got things like Ephesians chapter 1 where we heard the word, we believed in Jesus, and then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, the Holy Spirit made you the Ark of the Covenant now. You are sealed all the way through in your spirit when you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Man, I could just keep preaching like that, but I got to keep moving. There's more covenant. So the blessings and the cursings of Israel, really quickly. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2, it says, And now shall it come to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all of His commandments, which I've commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you Israel, right, not the Gentiles, high above all the other nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come over you and take you, but you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So God's telling them, hey, every time you make a mistake, I'm adding a new law to you. So the blessings, and it says, according to, to keeping the law and the commandments, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed is the fruit of your body, the ground and the herds of your cattle and offspring. Blessed are your baskets and your kneading bowls. It means that when you go to as a storehouse, you're going to be able to go in there and say, man, I've actually got stuff in my refrigerator. I'm actually able to eat. I'm able to create. I'm, I'm able to do things. And it says, blessed are you who come in and blessed are you who go out. The Lord will defeat your enemies and they come... I'm sorry, they come against you one way and flee seven ways. But if you don't do this, you're going to be cursed in the city and cursed in the field. You're going to, your body's going to be cursed. The ground's going to be cursed. And your cattle and your offspring are going to be cursed. Everything's going to be cursed. Everything. But see, this is the thing that I want you to understand. Is that that law was created for Israel. And Israel did really bad things. It's one of the reasons why Babylon took them over. It was actually twice. You know, most of our most of our our Old Testament scriptures come from the bad times. By the way, you know, there was four hundred years in a in a little over like you know, I think it was like fifteen hundred years period. We don't get as much of the of the eleven hundred years that was the good times, right? All we get is the, is the, hey, you guys were doing bad. So there's very little scripture to go back. I mean, you can go into 1 Kings and 2 Kings and kind of see some of that. But it was written in chapters and not in books. But most of our Isaiahs and our Ezekiels and all of the Old Testament prophets, they were there and they were prophesying to Israel to end up making them do something different. You know why? Because the seed of Abraham had to be born. It had to be the seed of the woman. It had to come from Israel. That's the whole reason why God picked Abraham. It's because God wanted Abraham's seed to be the bloodline where Jesus came through because he knew that he would teach his kids. You know, there was only one trait in the whole Jewish community 
that you can see, and it's happening until this day. Do you know that from the time of the fall of the temple in 70 AD until 1948, do you know that the Jewish people stayed to each other and they taught their kids over and over and over for over like 2,000 years? Do you know that if it had been any other people, it would have died out? We don't know anything about Druid history, right? It's because those people, namely the Europeans, didn't know how to teach their kids anything. We still see that today. Just go, to, just go look at the United Kingdom. But if you're looking at people who their number one trait was to go and talk to their kids, the Jewish people did it. It's ingrained into them. That's why God picked Abraham. That's why the bloodline of Abraham is so important is because it happened over and over and over and over again. Even when they would fall into the Babylonians or they would go into Egypt or whatever, the, the Lord's word still would reign. It's amazing because it, it's, it's a covenant. It just keeps perpetually happening. It's not dying off. The, even the people who say they're Jews, they're still teaching the same stuff over and over again. The only problem is, is that they can't sacrifice because there is no temple. Covenant of Abraham uh, was the promise of a new covenant in Jesus. Do you know that God created that so that we would be able to be partakers in Abraham's covenant? In Genesis 15, which I love Genesis 15. If, you, if you've never read Genesis 15, it's awesome. Because God takes Abraham, somebody that half believes. I mean, Abraham half believed. I mean, he was giving his wife to every king because he didn't want to be killed. And God had to go and fix it. Do you know that Abraham was the only one thing that he was able to do is teach his kids? I mean, there was other things, but for the most part, Abraham had his faults, Okay. And it says in, in verse 15, or verse 5 of, of Genesis 15, it says, Then he brought him outside, out of the tent. God brought Abraham out and says, Look towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. You know, that was the only covenant that God gave. That was the only thing that changed his name was he said, you're going to have more descendants. Do you know that this is existing till today? How many people's gotten saved? Anybody? Okay. Do you know that if you've gotten saved, you're a descendant of Abraham? I got double hands out of Joanne. She's double saved. Look at her. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you, this was, this was one of the things that Abraham was able to do was he just was able to tell his kids about this. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in this manner of men, though it is, it is only a man's covenant... See, what we have to understand is that the covenant of, of man is what God created with Abraham. He didn't create this with dogs and cats. I know there's some of y'all, y'all love your dogs and cats more than you do kids and people. But that's okay, I guess. Anyway, but see, this is what I want you to understand is that you're needing to understand that this was between man 
and God. And it says here, um, in verse 16, Now Abraham and his seed were, his seeds were the promises made. He does not say, and the seed of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. See, we all had to get born into Abraham through Jesus Christ. The moment you got born again, it was a promise. All of the promises are is that we're going to continue. You know, you have a promise to continue the seed. You may go, well, I've never had kids. No, no, no. You're planting seeds if you go tell people about Jesus because then you bring them into the family. Amen? And it says here, in, um, and it says in verse 17, and he says to the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect for if the inheritance is of the law, then it is no longer of a promise because God gave it to Abraham by the promise. Now I want you to understand something. By the time Galatians had come around, it had gotten so messed up in, in, um, that people weren't even able to sacrifice at this point. You know, after 70 AD, the law has not even been in progress. You can't even sacrifice for your sins anymore. See, this is the thing that we need to understand is that Jesus fulfilled the law and then once it was fulfilled, 70 AD, he actually talked about it. He said, this temple, not one brick will be left on top of each other. You know, the moment the, the temple was taken down, they quit sacrificing. There was no longer sin. Your sin was no longer able to be transferred over to the blood of bulls and goats. See, what I want you to understand is that the new covenant came in and completely regenerated the ability for our sins to be taken away by the blood of Christ and not by those bulls and goats. So the new covenant, I'm going to give you two little things here. The spirit and being saved. Those are two aspects of the new covenant that a lot of times people don't understand because they don't go back and reread what that actually means. In fact, in John 14, it says, But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Who, whoever I have said, whatever I have said. Do you know that, that there are things that I read in the Bible years and years ago? I don't read, you know, like Malachi all the time, and I don't read all these other prophets and minor prophets. Do you know that there are things that I've read years ago that I just, I read and the Holy Spirit uses them? And I go back and reread those sections and God will say, hey, you need to understand these particular things in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is the comforter that is showing me these things through his word, the things that was said unto me. How many people know it's kind of hard for the Holy Spirit to, to comfort you and to, and to help you with truth if you've never read it, right? That's why I tell everybody, if you've gotten saved, go read the Bible cover to cover. And you may go, well, I don't really want to know all the names of the people that's in this certain place. Well, guess what? You might not want to, but 20 years from now, God may actually go, there's something in there that you need to go back and restudy. You know that knowing the covenant means that I'm going to go know his word. 
And it says here in Acts 2, 38 through 9, it says, Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. Having your spirit in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it's been renewed, is a gift. It means that I no longer have this old dead spirit, the one that's trying to always do bad. You know, one of the things, and I believe this, if you think of something that's really funny, but it's also bad, and you carry it out, you know, I, I heard about this thing on the radio. It was like a youth group decided to, to play a prank. So they went and got a, a prostitute and had it go to their, their counselor's door. And one of the guys said it, and I thought exactly. It was like they had to call six different numbers. Somebody said, well, after they called the first one, those kids were not filled with the Holy Ghost. He was like, he was like because by the time you got to that number, you should have had that, nope. You know, there's things that I think are, that might be funny or might be whatever, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, no, don't do it. You know, I, I've actually had the Holy Spirit. I, I thought something was great. People were... We're, we're doing it, and I didn't see any problems with it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, you don't do it. You know, the comforter of the Holy Spirit is because if I'd done that, there would have been some issues. You know, I don't need to drink. Y'all go do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. But because of my past and because of, you know, everything that's happened in my family, I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to even start that. Look, we went to Texas Day, Brazil, and I'll show you exactly what happens when you go there the other night. I mean, I, I threw down. So just think about if you got me on a binger of drinking alcohol, okay? So I look at it and go, it's not something I do, okay? But see, this is what I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit needs to deal with you. I'm not going to go around and make you a list. See, everybody loves a a list. That's why the law was so popular. That's why the Pharisees loved it. It's because you're not, you're not creating the ability for people to follow a set of rules. No, you're free. Jesus has made you free. He's also made you saved. This word sozo means to deliver or protect, literally and figuratively. It means healed. It means I can be healed physically, mentally. It means I can be preserved, saved. I do well. I can be made whole. How many people know that everybody needs to be made whole? Because being made whole means that I get to use all of myself. How many people know that if you have shame and condemnation and all these other things, that if you're carrying shame and condemnation with you, it's going to make you retract a little bit. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. But if you're whole and you're like, well, I'm not ashamed because I'm in Christ, then I can go and I can, I can move and I can do the things that God calls me to and I'm uninhibited. And it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 16 through 18, it says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This word condemned just means not fit for use. It's like if they condemned this building, it means don't go in it, it could fall on you. Well, the whole thing is, is that when you're condemned by something, you're like, you're like a building that's about to fall. 
You don't have the strength and you don't have the, the courage. You don't have everything that you need. You've not been made whole in order to be able to hold up that structure. Well, the same exact thing with people is that if you, you'll fold like a $2 suitcase the next time something bad happens to you if you are condemned by yourself and by others. So if you're in Christ, don't be condemned. And it says here, um, verse 17, it says, These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. You will cast out demons. You will. They will speak with new tongues. Absolutely. Verse 18, it says, And they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not remain or hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Do you know that this is a promise that we have in the new covenant, and a lot of people don't want to be whole in it. Well, I'm a cessationist. I believe that when John died, the last apostle, that it all went away. Well, guess what? Then you're not going to cast out devils. We did a few weeks ago in one of Meyer's Bible studies. We, we've seen people that have gotten healed. Look at my mom back there. My mom, okay, I'm going to give a quick testimony. My mom, basically, she would work for 15 minutes and she would go lay on the couch for 15 days. That was the way that it kind of worked. Isn't that right? She couldn't do it. You know, she's getting ten and 12,000 steps a day in now. Amen. And all we did, we, all we did was we just put the word in and we believed and we agreed and we went with it. Do you know that this is, this is the truth in God's word is that if we believe it, then we receive it. Say, believe it and receive it. Well, if you don't, if you don't believe it, then you won't receive it. It's like I had a, a visitor over here. It was like if I, if, if I took this bottle and I just threw it at Caleb and I hit Caleb in the head. Well, he didn't catch it. Well, he didn't receive it. More than likely, he didn't believe that I was going to throw it. Well, that's what's happening is that people don't believe the goodness of God. They don't believe these scriptures. They just go and they take these scriptures and they just throw them away. Oh, well, that's not for me. That's for someone else. Well, you know what? If you believe it, then you'll receive it. Amen? All right, last thing here. And I'm closing. I promise. Hallelujah, we're going to have some lasagna. It's going to be good. See, our new covenant, we need to understand our new covenant. Because remember, we had the Ten Commandments. Now we have these two commandments. Love God with all your belief and love your neighbors as yourself. Luke 10, 27 says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. This is your belief system. With all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. This word mind means your understanding. It means I have a full understanding of who I am in Christ Jesus that I know who God is, and I know my place in the body, that means I know that God loves me. In fact, and it says here, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. See, this is the problem that we have, is that a lot of times we can maybe get to a part of loving God and letting God love us, but we don't let him fully love us. And then what happens is, is if we're not loved, then we don't even know how to love ourselves. And then we go love our neighbor exactly like we love ourselves, destructively. We go and we put, 
love towards others exactly the way that we see ourselves. I mistrust myself because every time I put myself in this place, I always mess up. Well, guess what? If you mistrust yourself, then you're going to treat everybody with mistrust. If you say, I can't do the things that is in the word, then you'll never say that other people can do them. So you'll mistrust the word. Loving God requires trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. This is, this is something everybody needs to walk away. If you walk away with nothing else today, walk away with this. You're not going to understand. Don't even try. I'm not even trying to understand God's goodness. I'm just allowing it to happen in me. And it says here, in verse 6, and it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. You know what's so funny about this is the fact that I think most people think God is not directing my path. He doesn't have a path for me. He doesn't have a future for me. I have no hope. You know, the moment that I got a hold of love, you know, all these things about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Do you know that the first is love? When I understand the love of God for me, then I have hope. And when I have hope, then I can have faith and I can trust in what He's going to do. And the moment that I trust and I see, guess what? It just, the blessings of the Lord just keep coming and they just keep coming and they keep coming. And you go, well, I've not seen it. It's like, well, you don't have any hope because you got to hope before you can have faith. See, most of the time people don't have hope And I want you to understand, I want you to walk away today, I want you to have hope. Because being hopeless, it's it's death. Being hopeless is death. And I don't want you to walk away with death. I want you to walk away knowing that God has a future for you. God has a purpose for your life. There are things that God wants you to do that is going to be awesome for you. See, God's not trying to use you, He's trying to get stuff to you. And the problem is every single time is that we don't understand who God is in our life. We, oh God will use me. No, God doesn't use you up. He makes you usable. Love others requires you to love yourself. This love comes from knowing love. John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. You know, there had to be a stepping stone here. You know, Jesus, when he came to this earth, he had a mind, will, and emotions just like everybody else does. He had to read the word. In fact, it says he went into the synagogues and into the temples and everything, and he he would talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, Jesus learned just like we did. And he saw himself in the word. Do you see yourself in the Word? Do you see yourself in these promises? Do you see yourself casting out devils? Do you see yourself helping others to become free? Or do you just see yourself as, I'm not free so I don't ever see anybody getting free? See, this is a bad place to be if you want to get free, but you cannot see it if you don't believe it. You have to do it. 
You have to believe it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do I have anybody in here that has not been saved? If you have not been saved and you would like to be saved, would you please raise your hand? Amen. We got all saved people in here. You know, what I want, what I want to do right now is I just want to encourage you because God wants to set you on a path of hope so that you will know what faith is like and then you can have a future. If this spoke to you and you were like, yeah, I, I, I need this hope. I'd like for you to raise your hand. I, I, I would like privately. Everybody's got your head down, your eyes closed. I, there's nothing to see up here. Keep your, keep your head down. But I would like for you to tell me because I'd like to talk to you at some point about it. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person that's listening, the sound of my voice. I pray, dear Lord, that if they don't have hope and they don't see a future, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are creating opportunities for the Holy Spirit to be able to come in and comfort them, to give them opportunities to see themselves in the Word, to be able to, to prosper and have their soul prosper. And Father, I pray over them. I pray, dear Lord, as they go this week, that they are touching lives and that they come across people that they can give the truth of the gospel of goodness to. Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive. May it nurse our bodies. We ask you to sanctify it in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. I will talk to you at the fellowship in a minute. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. Thank you.